Good morning. Come on in, have a seat. Welcome. Glad to see everybody uh, just uh, fellowshipping this morning. And if you're a visitor with us today, just really glad that you're here. Really thankful whenever we see new faces. It's just uh, delights us. We love to see the new people coming and see God bringing new people into our church. And uh, I, I was a visitor last week, actually. I was in Salt Lake. My son Aiden had to have surgery and um, he was uh, just re- recovering there in Salt Lake. And so Maddie, my daughter, and I went to a church there and we just found a church and uh, just walked in the door as a visitor. And uh, it was so, such a blessing. These people, they they loved us and they, they greeted us and they the, they even prayed for my son. And it was just a just a blessing. I, I can't can't describe how good it is to go 400 miles away and see the church be in the church. And so if you're new with us today, we want to be that to you. I, I want to be that to you because uh, that was that was someone that was me last week. So I, I got to got to be that. So uh, help us uh, help us uh, help you. We, our, our numbers are on the back of this bulletin. If you have something, you can text us or reach out to us this week, and we will do our best to, to love you. Um, we got a business meeting after this, right after this service, so stay and be part of that. Got some things we need to discuss. Um, got, have Trail Life, which is a new ministry for boys 5 to 17 years old. That's uh, tomorrow night. If you're interested in that or you, you want to hear more about that, like Froddy, he heads that up and just to come tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. We have uh, some missionaries that we support, Rain and Whitney Etzel Miller. They're up in Smoot, Wyoming, and they, uh, they need us to help them build a garage. They're, they got uh, the materials for this garage, and they're, they're just needing to get this thing up before winter, so that means sometime in the next month. And we'd just like to be able to, ideally, we'd put a team of men together and just go up there and just stand this thing up and, and uh, get it weathered in for them. But if, if, uh, if you could go up and help or if there's something you could contribute, that'd be great. Just talk to Pastor Mike. He's trying to organize this. And it's just something, uh, something we can do for Rena Whitney as they're just up there uh, alone in a lot of ways. And uh, we need to just help them know that they're not alone and that we're here for them. So pray about that and be a part of that if you can. And then Ashton Schaefer, she's our, our ministry assistant here at the church. Uh, just pray for her the next couple of weeks. She's going out to Pennsylvania today. Her and Aubrey Peary are going out there to uh, help her see a specialist. And um, she's just, just been really struggling to find uh, the, the answers to what is wrong with her. She's just having some, some really strange medical problems. And we need to pray for her and just try to be a support to her. Um, it's a, it's a big deal for her at her age to just be going through this stuff and just pray that they'll get out there okay and that uh, they'll, they'll find the healing and the grace that they need. Um, we got next Sunday, we're going to be going door-to-door after this service, so bring your sack lunch, and uh, we're going to be taking bags of candy and doing reverse trick-or-treating. We just go, we're going to go through some different, uh, more needy-type neighborhoods in town and uh, just go knock on doors and share the love of Christ with people. And in that, in that bag will be a, a card that they can scan and get a Thanksgiving dinner if they need that, and we'll be bringing that to them uh, you know, for Thanksgiving. So it kind of gives us an opportunity for people in need to really, really just do something for them, but it also gives us an opportunity to share the love of Christ with these people and show them that love. So as the anxiety is welling up in you as we speak right now about, oh, can I go out and you know, knock on people's doors and the awkwardness of all that, man, just stop it and let, let, let the love of Jesus come out. And these people, they, yeah, sometimes they, they, they like, it's awkward to them, but, but 
there's a person out there that you're going to stand on their door and it's going to shock them and they're going to they're going to just be so happy to see that love and maybe they'll have never seen that love before that's that's where you need to pray toward this week so come do that uh, next sunday after this service with us for a couple hours and uh, then come on saturday we need to stuff these bags so the saturday before that and uh, get the get the bags ready so come be a part of that that saturday um on halloween night October 31st, we're going to be uh, just kind of having some prayer here. So if you want to come between the hours of 5 and 9 that Monday, uh, just bring a snack to share, and uh, we're just going to pray. Pray for God to work in our city. A lot of things going on. Isn't it a blessing to be a part of it? Let's stand up and worship the Lord this morning. God, thank you, Lord, that you brought us here. Thank you that you love us. Lord, thank you that you're working in us, God. All these things, all these, all these concerns, Lord, and which one are we supposed to do and which one are we supposed to be a part of, Lord? And we as the body, we're, we're going we're gonna to do it all, Lord, and you're going to do it through us, Father. And, and you want us to be a part of your work in these ways, Lord. And you, it's what you, what you did when you came. You served, you loved, you healed people, Lord, and you sought. You sought those people to work in their lives, God. And when you left, you said, we're going to do it. So here we are doing it. Help us do it. Help us clear out our hearts and clear out our heads this morning. Worship you and obey you and let you you work in us and praise you for being our great God. Amen.
this a few weeks ago, and uh, God asked me, are you a fisher of men? And it was an embarrassing question to be asked in many ways. And then he asked, if not, who are you following? Because I promise if you follow me, follow hard after me, is what I'll turn you into. So my prayer for us, for our church, is that we will become fishers of men because we follow after Jesus. Let's sing verse 2. Would you teach me, would you teach me 
Let's pray for the Etzel Millers today while I um, tell you a little bit more about them. If you're going to help with the offering, I'll let you go ahead and make your way up here. Some men who will help, and then we'll pray together for the offering as well. Uh, Etzel Millers serve out in Smoot, and um, it's very much dominated by uh, Mormonism, by many who call themselves Mormons and don't even know what the LDS Um, organization teaches and so there's a spiritual war that they're up against let's pray for them father we lift up um, the Edson Millers their entire family we pray that you would protect them um, and that you would bless them father we pray that you would bless that community through them they live in such a uh, a dark spiritual place where people don't know the truth uh, and where many of them, Lord, believe lies about your word, about your son, about life eternal. And so, Lord, we're asking that you would you would break open the, the light in the, the hearts of the people that the Etzel Millers encounter. We pray for favor with their neighbors and the places of business that they go, people they work with, the people that they befriend. Lord, would you be so clear with the gospel, with your word, Father, that they would do what they do, Father, and your light would shine and they would give glory to you, Father that many would be saved. We pray, Father, that as you begin a church in that place, it would be such a free, such a a freeing experience and a place of freedom that many who've been in bondage of lies would come to you. Many disciples would be made and forever, Lord, the history of that valley would be changed to one of a place that people know Jesus. Lord, we, uh, we pray for this offering that we're going to give you. We pray, first of all, Lord, that you would help us to give freely from our hearts in response to what you have provided for us and in response to the move of your Spirit. And then, God, help us to use this for you, not for anything else, but for you, that your name would be great, that gospel would go forth, that ministry would be done, that people would see that you truly are the great God that you are. And so, Lord, we give to you this morning, and we pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen.
with a grateful heart I'm overwhelmed with the way you are for your love for a Savior born, for the love He lived, for the love He bore. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I
I'm thankful this morning. I had a powerful experience a couple weeks ago with the, with the guy. It's a long, long story, but in short, he's, he's hurt. He's been, um, he's been hurt throughout his life. He's hurt other people. He's so worried about hurting more people that he was, he was wanting to take his own life, which has been a lifelong struggle. And I got a little glimpse behind the window of how broken he was, and it was, I was glad for that window. I was thankful for the chance to be there, overwhelmed by the reality that these people are all in our community. He lives here in Casper, and they're, they're just everywhere. We're going to be knocking on their doors next week. that we don't stop there, that we have a, a message of hope that we can bring to them. Let me pray. I want to pray for this guy. Got to pray for my friend. Um, he's made in your image. A man who, uh, a man who you died for. And Lord, I ask that even today, if he hasn't already, that he would turn to you listen to the words that he's heard, the words that he's read in your word, and God, that you would make him new, that you'd heal his scars, that you would take away his guilt, that you would give him hope. God, work. I pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Let's sing this morning.
It's time for you guys to go to Super Church. That's just a fantastic song. Just incredible truths in there. I love that song. Just the, just the fact that we ought to be singing hallelujah for what Christ has done for us. His is the victory, right? And, and you know, I love those kind of songs. I, I love singing about God's victory in my life. I love singing about... God's grace in my life. I love thinking about and talking about God's grace in my life. But it's interesting to me that, that sometimes we, we celebrate the stuff that kind of makes life easier on us when it comes to Christ, but we don't really want to talk about the stuff that God would call us to, right? I mean, how many of you like it when people make demand, demands of you? Let me raise your hands really quick. You love, you love it when somebody tells you they expect you to do something. Not too many, right? Well, it's, it's interesting to me because the Bible, the Bible says there's some powerful things that take place when we become followers of Christ. And yet, to some degree, we really don't want them. We, we just don't want them. I mean, for most of us, if we were really going to be honest with ourselves, uh, we want as much comfort as we possibly can get. We want to be selfish as often as we can be. Uh, We want to be able to do what we want to do, when we want to do it, the way we want to do it. We don't want to be anybody telling us what to do and have any expectations of us. I mean, it's just really true, isn't it? If we had our way life would be as easy for us as possible. Isn't that right? I mean, I know it would be for me, but this passage that we've been in, you can turn there, Matthew 16, if you want to. We've been talking about it for the last several weeks, and it's, a, it's an interesting passage because Jesus has brought the disciples to the place where they confess him. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. And and Jesus says to Peter, when he says that, he says, man, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father who's in heaven. In other words, Jesus says, this thing that you say about me 
is the greatest revelation from God you're ever going to get. You didn't come here on your own. God's shown you that I'm the Savior. I mean, you and I, if we have any inkling about who Jesus is today, we should be singing hallelujah that we would even come to know who he is. I mean, it's just, it's a miracle and a work of God that we would go, wow, this is who Jesus is. Uh, But what's crazy about this is the Bible says after Jesus tells this to Simon, he tells him, hey, you know, I got a special purpose for you and I'm going to use you and you're going to be a part of what I'm going to do in this world and build my kingdom. Um, But then Jesus says something that, that really uh, Peter didn't like. He says, it says that Jesus began to show the apostles that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things at the hands of the religious leaders, be killed and then raised on the third day. And this situation that was so profound and so good, all of a sudden blew Peter's mind because he takes Jesus away the one who just, he just confessed him to be the Messiah, the promised Savior of the world, confessed him to be the Son of the living God. You're God, you're the Savior. And then Peter says, come over here, Lord. This is never gonna happen. You're never gonna die. That's not God's will. No, Lord, don't say it so. He loses his mind. And Jesus rebukes him in return and says, get behind me, Satan. Like you're speaking Satan's words now, not, not God's words. He says, you're a stumbling block to me. And he says, you're not setting your, your mind on God's interest, but on your own. I mean, it's, it's as harsh of a rebuke that you're going to find from Christ anywhere in the New Testament. Because, you know, Peter just, he kind of missed it. He kind of freaked out. He, he's like, the Savior's not supposed to die The Savior is supposed to be this king that comes and sets up a throne in Jerusalem. He drives the Romans away, and he he takes care of all of our problems, and he gives us all the food we need, and he gives us all the protection we need. He gives us all the comfort we need. He's going to be here. He's going to be the one that makes life easy for us. That's what the Messiah is supposed to be, right? And Jesus says, no, that's not at all what the Messiah is supposed to be. The Messiah the one God sent is going to go die for the sins of the world and rise again that men and women might have life eternal. Now, it's not that Christ doesn't care about our physical needs. He does. But he cares so much more for our spiritual condition, for our relationship with God than he does about our physical needs. It's not a problem for him to heal. It's not a problem for him to provide money. It's not a problem. But he doesn't always do that. Because he knows sometimes what we need is more him than just the junk we think we need, right? But at that point in time, not only did Peter probably figure out that he had the wrong understanding about the Messiah, but he had to figure out also that he might have had the wrong understanding of salvation, and if that, if that wasn't all, he probably had the wrong understanding of what it meant to serve God. Because if the Messiah is going to go die, what would that mean for the followers of Christ? It certainly doesn't mean that when we come to know Jesus, then life just gets easier. Life gets prettier. Life gets more comfortable 
I mean, certainly, without a doubt, Christ in our life changes everything for good. But if Jesus is going to go to the cross and die, what does that mean for the follower of Christ? Well, thankfully, we don't have to ask. He tells us. He tells Peter and the other disciples right here in this passage in verse 24. I mean, I want you guys to think as we go through this passage today, do you need to change your understanding of who Jesus is as Savior? Do you need to change your understanding of what salvation is according to the Word of God? Do you need to change your understanding of what it means to serve Jesus? Because these words are deep and they're powerful and they're true. And so as we read this, let's begin to pray for God to show us truth. Verse 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father with his angels and will then repay every man according to his deeds. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful, Lord, that your word is true. It's true. You're true. And you have shown us the way of life through Christ Jesus. I pray, Father, that if anyone here has a false understanding of who Jesus is as Savior, you'd help us understand today. And I pray that if there's anyone here who has a false understanding of what salvation is, true salvation, that you would help us understand today. And I pray that if there's anyone here that has a false understanding of what it means to serve you, that you'll help us understand what that looks like and why we would want to. And I pray, Lord, that you would draw us to, your, to yourself. I pray you would draw the lost to salvation. And I pray you'd be worshiped among us. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So, man, we come to this passage, and it is, it is nothing but deep. It's just nothing but deep. It's not casual. It's not easy. It's not kind of what we want Christianity to be. It's just not. As much as I'd love to be able to say it in ways that would make everybody comfortable with Christianity, Christianity's not comfortable. Matter of fact, the title of my message this morning is A Reward Worth Dying For. A Reward Worth Dying For. And man, is that, uh, that's a crazy thought among us, Right? I, it's just it's just so important for us as we begin to look at this passage to to think about Christ and about him not about us most of the time we put god into our context when god has put us into his and so it's important for us to to hear what jesus is saying as we come here he, he's just said to G, to to peter man get behind me you're a stumbling block you're not thinking about god's interest you're only thinking about man's interests and then he clearly says to him, to his disciples and Peter, all of them, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, I love this, these little verses because they're, they're simple. I mean, they are simple. They're, they're plain. But the implications of them are profound. 
I mean, Jesus says, if anyone wishes to come after me, uh, everyone should want to come after the Savior. It doesn't take anybody with any kind of brains to want to come after the guy who can forgive us of our sins, who can live inside of us through his spirit, who can keep us even in death or sickness or loss or whatever, and eventually send us to heaven. Why wouldn't we want to follow him? We should want to follow him. It's still the most kind of miraculous thing to me that when I'm sharing Christ with somebody, they can just look at me and go, you know, I'm not interested. Obviously, at that point in time, you realize that God hasn't revealed to them who the Messiah is because, man, I've shared this so many times, but it's just distinct to me. It's just this powerful memory that, that, that transformed my life and still does. I mean, I'm sitting at home one day and just, I'd been going to church. I'd been seeking the Lord. I'd been really praying that, you know, God would do something in life, help me, give me life, give me, give me answers to these things that I needed. And I, I can remember just sitting there reading my Bible and just reading about Christ and reading about his love and reading about the cross and just reading about things. And, and it was so clear to me. I mean, if that's who you are, if that's how much you love me, Lord, then I'm yours, all of me. I mean, all of me. I mean, I I literally sat there and said, Lord, I'm not going my way anymore. I don't want to go my way. My way hasn't worked out. I've been foolish. I've been stubborn. I've been rebellious. I've been arrogant. I've been sinful. It's hurt me and broken me down, and I've hurt others because of it. I mean, if you think a life lived in sin is this peaceful, joyful thing, you know better or you're blind and a liar. And I was like, I'm sick of this. I don't want me anymore. I want you. So Lord, whatever you want of me, you can take me. You can have my life. Lord, you can have Beth, the most precious thing in the whole world to me. If you want her so I can follow you, you can take her. If you want my two babies at the time, take them. Lord, I don't care what you want from me. I don't care where you send me. I don't care what you ask of me. I want to follow you. Why wouldn't I want to follow him? I mean, that's just the question to me. If anyone wants to follow me, if anyone will come after me, why wouldn't we want to? This glorious Savior, this incredibly loving God, this merciful, patient God, this sacrificial God who gave everything so that we could have life, why wouldn't we want to follow him? But Jesus says, if you want to come after me, if you want to come after me, what another great phrase in there, come after him. What, what does it mean to come after him? Well, obviously it means to follow him, go where he goes. It means to become a disciple. The disciples would follow the master in the physical way so he could teach them and he could provide for them and, and so they could learn who he is and be like him, right? That's what they would do as disciples. But it literally means to be saved, To be saved means to follow after Christ. There's no possible way you can claim to be saved and not follow Christ. It's not possible. Romans 10, 9 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, that sounds great. But you can't confess that Jesus is Lord and not realize that you're not. If Jesus is Lord, 
then you are his servant. You are literally his bond slave. He is the one that leads. He's the one that tells you how to live your life. You say, yes, Lord, I love you. I trust you. I'm going to follow you. That's what salvation is. I need a savior. You're the Lord. I trust you. I follow you. But for many of us, our relationship with God is not like that at all. It doesn't look like following God at all. It looks like we pick and choose from God what we want from God when we want that from God. God, we're struggling and we're hurting, so we need a comforter, so be my comforter. Thanks, Lord, that's enough. Lord, we got some financial needs, so Lord, be my banker. Oh, thanks, Lord, that's enough. Lord, we're physically sick, so be my doctor. Oh, thanks, Lord, that's enough. We, we really treat God like, like he's our servant. We really kind of pick and choose from God what we want of God, but we really want God to leave us alone the rest of the time because if he gets too involved in our life, then we've got some accountability. We've got some obligation. That leads into some conviction. And Lord knows... God would never want us to be convicted. Amen? Don't convict me, Lord. Listen, that's not what he says. That's not what he says at all. If anyone wishes to come after me, if anyone wants to be my disciple, if anyone wants to be saved through faith in me, right, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Now, that in itself gets deep again. Deny yourself. That sounds pleasant. (laughs) Doesn't it? You know, Lord, I really have this desire to become this. So, Lord, let me do that. But no, I have a different plan for you. When you hear you have a different plan, God has a different plan for you, you have to deny yourself. And instead of going the way you chose, you go God's way. You know, I really want this thing in my life, whether it's a new job or a new house or whatever that might be. And so I'm going to work and work and work and work to get this new thing. That's my desire. God's like, I want you to move to a different city and I want you to get a different job and I want you to be used in a different way. And so you have to deny yourself in order to, def- to follow him. And the truth of the matter is, is that you have to begin to start to want God more than you want yourself. You have to begin to have the desire to live to satisfy God before you satisfy yourself. We have to learn to consider ourselves, not, not just to consider ourselves only. We actually have to begin to consider who God is and what God wants I mean, one of the things that God wants from us is simple according to the word. Isaiah mentioned it this morning. He wants us to be fishers of men. He wants us to be witnesses. He wants us to impact the lost world around us. He he wants us to be lights in a dark world. He wants us to have a testimony for who he is. No matter who we are, where we work, what we do, what we think, His desire is for us to live for him that the world might come to know him. But in order to do that, 
we have to deny ourselves. And we have to say, all right, Lord, I'm going to present myself at risk. And I'm going to go out. Yeah, I don't know what the smell is. I see some of you like, I don't know what this smell is. It's bad. And I don't know why it's coming. Just Oh, it's coming from the kitchen. So I don't know what we're eating, but don't eat it. So, sorry about the smell. I was going to point fingers, but it's the kitchen. So, um, so let's go back to what we're talking about. We can acknowledge it smells bad in here for whatever reason. We have to deny ourselves. This might even be a great example, right? If we're going to sit here in this stench, we're going to deny ourselves just a little bit to stay. And if you can't, then okay, but whatever. That's hard though, right? Because here's the deal. The conditions for salvation, the conditions to come follow Jesus begin with deny ourselves and then the next thing is to take up our cross and follow him. Now, I know that when we talk about taking up our cross, we really want to kind of deflect from the depth of this. Uh, we, we talk about it a lot. My cross is that I have to sit in a church that stinks. That's our cross that we bear. That's not what he's talking about. Uh, my cross is, you know, living in a house that's old and I don't have enough money to, to fix it up. It's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about crosses that are inconveniences, He's not even talking about crosses that may be difficult. He's talking about the cross. They didn't pick up the cross in Jesus' day if they weren't going to die. He's literally saying to these guys, you've got to deny yourself and you've got to pick up your cross to follow me. You've got to be ready to go to the death to follow me. It's interesting because he says, if you want to come after me, Where's he going? Where's Jesus going? He's leaving the north of Galilee and he's gonna head straight to Jerusalem to go to the cross. So if you're gonna follow him, you're gonna pick up your cross too. I mean, how powerful it is, is it that the savior that gave his life for us has called us to give our lives for him? And I know when we hear that, we kind of go, well, that's ridiculous. That's a demand that no one can live with. But it's not true. It's not true. There shouldn't be any trouble with giving our lives for Jesus when we know what the reward is. See, that's the problem. For most of us, when we talk about discipleship, all we can think about is the cost. And for most of us, we're really, truly not willing to give that cost. We say we're Christians, but when it comes to living for Jesus and, and moving or giving and dying or whatever it is, I mean, guys, we, we don't even want to talk about giving. I accidentally said giving here a minute ago, and some of you probably cringed. Don't talk about giving. I mean, good grief. Why would we ever give for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? I mean, after all, you know, they're just a church. They're just manipulating us. It's not really about us loving Jesus Whatever. How selfish. How shallow. 
How rebellious. How arrogant. Do you not see? Do you not see that Jesus is not asking you what you want? He's saying, if you want me, this is who you'll be. He's not asking you to fit him into your system of life or your way of thinking. He's saying, this is who I am. I'm the Lord God Almighty. I have so much for you. I need so much for us beyond this world, beyond this flesh. I mean, man, when, when Christ transformed my life, I could not believe the joy, the utter joy. I mean, it just, it, it just transformed me. I still lived in the same home. I still made the same amount of money. We didn't have anything in the world that we would that compare to anybody else. I mean, we were struggling to do anything in this world. But it didn't matter. It didn't matter. There was so much joy and life and hope. Serving him for me at that point in time was nothing. So sweet to serve him. All I could think about was serving him. All I could think about was going to church. All I could think about was reading my Bible. All I could think about was him. It was so powerful to me because of his love for me. But we go, you know, I, I don't know if I'm willing to die. What are you willing to die for if it's not Christ? What reward are you seeking after if it's not Christ? Really, what, what are you chasing after that you hope is going to satisfy you? Because there is nothing that's going to satisfy you like Christ. So he says the conditions are deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Then he explains it a little further. Verse 25 says, for whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. I mean, it's such a powerful thought. It's, it's just powerful in the understanding that whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, right? That's the guy or the gal that's living their life as if they have all the insight, as if they have all the power, as if they have all the wisdom to, to, to establish where they're going to go. And they're just like, we're fighting to have my way. I'm going to live the way I want to. I'm going to have what I want in this world. I'm going to get the job that I want. I'm going to get the education that I want. I'm going to live to make sure that I get what I want. And some people actually achieve it, Right? They work hard enough, they get lucky enough, whatever they do, and they get wealthy, and, and man, they get big homes, and they get all this stuff, and they, they live as if they're in control, and they really believe they don't need God until they die. And then they stand before God completely exposed to who they really are and who God is. And though they claim to have saved their life, because they rejected Christ, they lost it. They lost it. And oh, by the way, they never had it. I mean, I read not too long ago that Bill Gates, you know, and he and his wife got divorced. Whatever reasons, I don't know. I didn't read the whole article, didn't want to. But it's just another reminder that you can have billions, billions. You can buy whatever you want, go wherever you want. Be whatever you want, but it doesn't make you happy. 
it doesn't make you a good guy. It doesn't make you a good gal. It doesn't satisfy at any level. You chased after what you had. You made yourself into what you're going to be, but you lost your life. But the rest of that verse is pretty insightful because it says, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now that's really insightful. That's really powerful because some of us are losing our lives for something other than Jesus, right? Some of you are striving to have what you'll have and you're going to work every ounce you can work. You're going to work two jobs, three jobs. You're going to miss your children being raised. You're going to miss time with your spouse or whatever it is. You're just working to have what you want, man. You're getting what you want, but you're doing it for yourself. And we already talked about what happens with that. Stand before God, you lose your life. But to lose your life for Jesus' sake, to give your life to Christ for his sake, for his glory, for his honor, to say, I'm not going to live my life for myself. I'm going to live so that Jesus is honored. I'm going to live so that I'm obedient to Jesus. I'm going to live so that I believe in Jesus. I'm going to live for Jesus' sake. And if that means dying somewhere along the way, if that means suffering somewhere along the way, if that means giving up the American dream somewhere along the way, if that means giving up my favorite hobby, if that means whatever, I still have life. I love that. I mean, people actually say, why would somebody want to go to someplace like Congo and be a missionary in Congo? I mean, you're going to go suffer. You may die in Congo. There's no doubt about that. It's that serious. Or go to Saudi Arabia or go to, you know, anywhere you want to go. You think about North Korea, places that you think, why would anybody want to go there? Well, because God wants people to go there. And God calls people to go there. And God commands people to go there. And they go there because they're excited about Jesus. They're excited about serving him. If they lose their life for his sake, hallelujah. Man, we celebrate the martyrs. If you talked about anybody that's ever died for Jesus, you're amazed that they would give their life. You're amazed that they would you know, suffer that much. But you're also thankful that they would because that shows their faith in Jesus Christ. I mean, save people. Understand that the sacrifice for Jesus means that life is coursing up through us. Man, sometimes sacrifice is simply loving unlovable people, forgiving unforgivable people. Man, sometimes sacrifice is actually humbly serving somebody that would never serve us. But if we do it for Jesus' sake, we show that life is in us. But man, so many people that claim Christ today, they don't want to do anything for Jesus' sake. So many times people are running around going, what's God doing for me? And if he's not doing this for me, why isn't he? And where is he at? And I'm mad at him. Fair enough. But then don't look at me and tell me that you love Jesus and are serving him. Sorry. Let's look at the next verse because it takes it even a little further. Verse 26, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul, or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? I mean, we already know the answer to this question is simple. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? The answer is nothing. 
There's no profit in that. Gain the whole world. Live for yourself. Get your bank account stuffed with cash. Man, live, drink, and be merry. Have all that you want. Whatever you say, have all that you can get. But if you've got that in exchange for your soul, you lose. There's nothing in the black. It's all in the red. There's no profit to it because our souls are eternal. If you and I die without Christ, we die and are judged eternally. But then I love, I love the second question. It says, or what will man give in exchange for his soul? Here you are digging to get what you want, to live the American dream, to get to the place where you can retire in comfort. The closer I get to retirement age, the more that makes me laugh. Going to get to the place where you can retire and have everything you want. But do you know how old you are when you retire? You're old. And you're tired. So great. You get to the place where you have everything you want and you're too tired to do anything with it. And you guys think I'm teasing. (laughs) You're not old enough to know, are you? Listen, man, don't think that satisfaction comes from having all this stuff because no matter what you have, it won't be enough to buy salvation. What will a man give in exchange for his soul? It won't be money. It won't be influence. It won't be your good works. There's only one thing that purchases our soul, and it's Christ, his death on the cross, his resurrection. He died, he died for us on our behalf. He became sin on our behalf. The punishment that we deserve was placed upon him, all of it. And then God poured out all his wrath on the sin that we placed on Christ. And that's the only thing that will purchase our souls is God's payment through his son, Jesus Christ. That's it. There's nothing, nothing you have that could purchase your soul. It all comes through Jesus. So now let's take a minute and think about this. The conditions of salvation. The conditions of salvation. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow Jesus. The recognition that you're not in control. You're you're not enough. You can gain the whole world and it won't be enough for salvation. The understanding that literally it doesn't really matter, you know, how much you think you can save your life. It's one of the It's one of the craziest things that I hear repeatedly today in our society, and it comes from our school systems, it comes from our economic systems, it comes from our political systems, all these systems that say you can make yourself into what you need to be. You can become anything you want to be. You can be a success if you work hard enough. You can be, you know, I don't know, I don't need to beat this horse too bad. It's ridiculous. Let's talk about this. We look at these demands from Christ 
of letting go and trusting him, of suffering for his sake, of taking our cross even to the point of death. And we go, man, I don't, want, I don't really know. I don't really know if I want to pay that price to follow Jesus. It doesn't seem like there's any reward in that. But you're missing the point. I mean, you're missing the point so far. Because the reward is Jesus. Don't you understand? The reward is Jesus. You have a Savior. You have a Lord. You have a relationship with the living God who loves you. He gives you the gift of the Holy Spirit. He comes in and he dwells in you. He's with you wherever you go. There's absolute forgiveness of sin in Christ. There's absolute joy in Christ. There's absolute peace in Christ. There's hope in Christ. There's security in Christ. The reward is Jesus. If you want Jesus just so you can get rich, I can't promise you he's going to make you rich. You're probably too selfish for him to give you riches. If that's all you want, why would he give that to you? That'll keep you from him. I can't tell you if you get Jesus that you're not going to have aches and pains in your bodies and you're not going to get sick. I can't tell you that because Jesus wants you to learn to depend on him because he's the reward. I mean, Jesus is the reward that's worthy of death. He's worth dying for. But many of us, I'm telling you, aren't convinced of that still. We're not convinced of that still. Most of us say, if I can't get what I want by following Jesus, no thank you. Well, listen to this last verse, and I'll close. Verse 27 says, For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and will then repay every man according to his deeds. He's told us the cost. He's told us the reward. Follow him. But now he's telling us the consequences for saying no thank you. One of these days, Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, is going to come with his angels. He's going to repay there's going to be consequences for the deeds of men, and specifically the deed of rejecting Jesus Christ. He's given us the opportunity to rethink what we believe about him. He's the Christ. He's the son of the living God. He's the Lord. He's the only Savior. He's given us the opportunity to rethink salvation. Salvation isn't cheap. Salvation isn't shallow. Salvation is this remarkable work of God whereby each one of us is then forgiven and restored to God. It's powerful, but it is commitment. It's commitment to God. It's surrender to God. It's obedience to God. It's faith in God. It's loving him. He's challenged us about what it means to actually serve him. Serving him means we 
we follow and obey. We don't tell him what to do. And he tells us that's what salvation is. It's not just this ticket to heaven at the end of our days. It's a change of heart. It's a new person. It's a new mind. The reward, the reward is unlike anything we could ever describe. It is freedom. It's freedom for sin. It is love. It is love that would fill our souls, satisfy us. The reward is fearlessness. You have nothing to be afraid of when Christ is your Savior, no matter what you're going through. The reward is life. Life that you can't have apart from Jesus. But if you reject him, if you won't look to him, if you won't believe in him, then he repays that with judgment. Just this week, I spoke to somebody and they were talking to me. They'd been contemplating hell. They said, I've been thinking about what it must be like to be in hell. I mean, the Bible says that the second death is to be cast in the lake of fire, where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, where the worm never dies, the fire's never quenched. Revelation 20, you can go look it up. But they said, I realized if we were in hell for 500 years, we would still have no hope of the suffering to ever end. If we were in hell five million years, we would be no closer to the end of suffering at five million years than we were at 500 years. If we were in suffering for five billion years, we would be no closer to the end of suffering. See, here's the thing about God. He created us. He loves us. He's made a way for us to be saved His grace is deep. His love is powerful. His mercies are new every morning. He's given us the opportunity to have a relationship with him. It's available to all who would call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But if we reject that, and we reject the living God, there is nothing but the hope of eternal judgment. Man, the reward is worth dying for. Man, Christian, if you need to change your thinking about Christ, you need to change your thinking about salvation, if you need to change your thinking about serving God, maybe you're here and you've been a Christian and as I've spoken this morning, you realize you're not. You've been baptized, you're part of the church, but you've never, you've never followed Jesus. It's not an option. It's not an option. Maybe you need to change your thought about your salvation. Maybe you're here and you don't know Christ. And you, and you just think that, you know, God's just going to accept everybody into heaven. What kind of God would that be? It'd be a pathetic God. An unjust God. It'd be a ridiculous God. No, he's made the way one way. Do you believe in him? Are you ready to say, Lord, whatever you want, I'll follow you. Whatever you want, I'll give to you. You're that good. You're worth that much. Here I am, Lord. Forgive me. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. It can be hard at times. It is blunt at times. But the beauty of it, Lord Jesus, is that there's a reward for all who call upon your name, for all who will give up everything they have to follow you, to trust you to provide for them along the way and to know that you're never going to forsake them. There's a reward. The reward is you and you're everything we need. Lord, I pray for people to trust you as their Savior today. I pray if there's been just wrong motives in our salvation, that you'd forgive us, Lord God, and lead us to repentance and turn us back to you. I pray, Lord Jesus, there'd be great joy that would begin to flow from us as we see the depth of your beauty and even the joy of serving you and and even giving our lives for you. Lord, let us see that it's worth it all. Lord, I pray that we won't gain the whole world and forfeit our soul. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we'll realize how cheap the world is and how powerful and deep you are. Lord God, thank you for loving us. May we respond to you today in faith, in obedience, and for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's stand, sing. If you need to pray, we'd love to pray with you. If you need to come down front and say, man, I I want to follow Jesus, come down front. Encourage some other people. Let them know that. Your mercies are new every morning. And your mercies are new right now. By your grace, we are saved. Hallelujah. By your grace, be saved right now. By your grace, be saved right now. Never fails, hallelujah.
You call us to truth. You call us to depth. Lord God, for us to follow you, to deny ourselves and take up our cross means that you are such a savior. They won't have to fear anything. That you're good in every situation, even the deep trials. I pray that you'd help us know you more fully understand you Lord to the depth that you reveal to us that we might be men and women that display in our lives the living God in all his glory that others might be drawn to you Lord help us be fully in love with you fully thankful for you. And where we struggle to believe, I pray to you to increase our faith. Thank you, Lord, for these men and women, for the boys and girls that you allow us to speak to and touch and allow us to walk with. May you bless them. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.